amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome. 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 Please welcome. The Outdoor Project Podcast. Hear real conversations from industry leaders on the latest in the hardscape and landscape industry. You're now streaming the Outdoor Project Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Outdoor Project Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Sensenig's Landscape Supply, your outdoor living store. Today, we have a special guest, a true icon, industry leader, Paver Pete. Pete, thanks for showing up today, man. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Braving the blizzard. (laughs) Seven inches last night. Some areas we got a little bit more, I think close to a foot. Yeah, actually, I was downtown Rochester. I think we got about 7 to 10, 7 to 10. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Pete. I know you came in last night because of the storm. Yeah, I got the F-350 and four-wheel drive, <laughs> diesels humming. I'm ready, man. <laughs> <laughs> ready to roll. Pete, I just want to start off with this. How did you get the name Paver Pete? Uh, I was on a television program, uh, and the, the host of the TV show, this is a long, long time ago, couldn't say my last name, which is Balaglu, and uh, the paver guy, the paver guy, the paver guy, paver Pete, and it just <laughs> stuck. It just got easier for that host to say paver Pete. It was pretty amazing. You know, I when I first started selling Tackle Block and going to those contractor shows, it was amazing how much attention you got. I mean, everything that you brought to the table during those shows, everybody was in wow, you know what I mean? And whether you've seen it in Rochester or Buffalo or wherever the show was, everybody looked up to Paver Pete in the industry, you know, and it's still there. And I know I don't see you anymore. Maybe you have a different job title, but just wondering, what are you doing now with Techo Block? So we don't see you at the contractor show. We see those two guys. I don't know those two guys' names like we know Paver Pete, but actually they're very good too. Yeah, they are very good. This is our 15th year of Techo Block Contractor Showcase event. Uh, I do most of them, but I can't do all of them. There's, it's um, almost all of 48 contiguous states, 10 provinces um, that Teco Block is in. So uh, especially new markets where maybe they're not really familiar with Teco, you know, they'll send me there and I'll yell and scream and say a couple <laughs> bad words and <laughs> everybody will get excited, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> um, uh, but I think I, I will be back in upstate New York uh, this year. Uh, I think that's part of my schedule. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case because I love coming up here. Uh, I, I live in, you know, Cleveland, Ohio with my wife and daughter. And, and I, I, you know, this is just part of the area, right, That that's my area of influence and my area of, you know, where my friends are. And it's nice to see, you know, friendly faces but it's amazing where showcases come in 15 years yeah and again i think the two guys that were doing it the last couple of years they were they were great too they brought a lot of energy but it's going to be nice to have you back <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> that my title is still uh, director of education so oh, okay. i travel around uh working internally making sure that our team is is the best consultants they can be to the contracting and the dealer communities you know all 
around the country uh, and working with contractors on job sites. I mentioned earlier, I was in Columbus, Ohio last week with a contractor and doing a system knowledge training seminar uh, that was supposed to be two hours, ended up being six and a half. Uh, you know, the more questions they had, the more things I could draw up on a little easel pad up on the wall and, you know, and explain and bring out my little aggregates. And <laughs> this is what an ASTM number 57 is. It's a 90% fractured face, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and drop it in a bowl of water and they go, oh, look, it's clean. Yeah, that's right. It's oh. nice how you can boil all that down and make sense to the contractor. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, there, there's, in my opinion, there's four things contractors need to do to be successful. They need to be great at math, you know, estimating, job costing, budgeting, overhead recovery. It's, a, it's very important that they start there. My degree is in accounting, so I get to help them, you know, understand some of the math to make sure that they're making money. Uh, marketing has gotten more complicated, you know, even what we're doing now, podcasts and that kind of stuff. That's, you know, the, the digital realm of, of marketing, you know, and shifting from a traditional marketing campaign of running ads and magazines and doing home shows to doing what we're doing now or, or, you know, boosting an ad on Facebook or something like that. So that needs, you know, some education and some training to, to be better at it. Um, sales, uh, which really hasn't changed. Uh, but there's a lot of people that aren't good at it and they're, you know, trying to close sales versus helping people buy from them. So there's some slowing down and learning, the sales cycle and a sales process, depending on the size of the job and how you run your business that, you know, the consumers will, will be happier with the purchase. If they go through the cycle, you can hurry, they'll sign and they'll give you a check. And then in the end, they won't be happy. So we got to slow down, make sure that they understand it. We call it educate and inform. So, and that's very important. And then the last one, which is installation. And there's, you know, a couple governing bodies out there and, and, uh, Though we agree with them at Teco, and I agree with them as Paver Pete, uh, there's some things that I think they don't go far enough on. The, the National Concrete Masonry Association talks about a, a minimum one foot of clean stone behind walls, and I feel that that's wrong. They, they should be saying, and I, I say, and we say, you know, one foot minimum, three foot recommended yeah. column of clean stone behind the wall. You'll have less efflorescence. You'll have less mineral deposits. You'll have less hydrostatic pressure, less lateral, you know, Let's take it a little bit further, right? They're a great association. They do a great job. I just, there's a couple little words here and there. And I think that's what we're talking about today. You know, uh, hybrid installations of, of uh, paving stones, but they got to take it a little bit further. Yeah. And we are very excited to have you here today because we, me and Joe and some of the guys here have been getting a ton of questions from different contractors in regards to going permeable and, and doing um, that open grade base. And we just really want to touch base on it. What what goes into doing an open grade permeable base? Well, let's go back to the NCMA just for one second. Uh, the NCMA for a base under a retaining wall says you can use densely graded stone, right? ASTM C2940s, which is three quarter inch angular stone down to fines. Okay, so that's an option specifically for when you need to elevate the drain tile behind the wall you want to make sure that you have that density graded stone to elevate that pipe so they can see daylight maximum run of 50 feet. Uh, they say you can use open graded stone, which is your question, yep, right? Yep. As a base under retaining wall that gets your pipe very low in the horizon. So we have uh, a way of scavenging water and, and running it out before it can do damage. Water is the lubricant that causes failure. And they say you can use unreinforced concrete under a retaining wall. So flowable uh, fill or flowable uh, base something that's self-leveling, uh, unreinforced, no rebar, no fiber, no nothing, as a base under walls. And 
When would you use one versus the other? Well, that's site specific. Let's make a decision. We know we can use any one of the three. Let's figure out what's best for our consumer, for our project, for the longevity of this wall, which is, you know, 85 to 110 year design life. Okay. Now, when we look at interlocking pavement, industry kind of gives us one option, densely graded stone, sand set, edge restraint spike down, sand filled joint. Well, I don't know. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's look at some other options because we have permeable pavement. And we have a lot of information on that now, you know, dating back 50, 60, 70 years where water runs through the system. So why can't we combine the two together and take some of the benefits of densely graded stone, like a sand filled joint, and some of the benefits of permeable pavement, like an open graded stone, open graded bedding layer, self-consolidating material, little to no mechanical efforts needed to get them to, you know, 100% of their potential density. Let's do the right thing. Yeah. But there are times, you know, let's say up, up against a foundation wall in a backyard patio application, well, I want densely graded stone. I don't want to build a reservoir for water up against somebody's foundation you wall. pitch that water away and get it away from the house. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the reality is I don't want to build it up against foundation walls anyway. You know, but if I have to and the homeowners are insistent or whatever, the designer won't let me change it or whatever, okay, I can still use open graded stone, but then I got to put an EPDM, you know, pond type liner up against the foundation wall, extending over the subgrade and, you know, I gotta I gotta mechanically connect that to the foundation wall, which usually means tap cons or ram sets and adhesives. And you know, I don't like messing with people's foundation walls no. if, I, if I can avoid it. And I know you touch base on this too on a new build. So you, they want a patio right away, a new build. You know, it's gonna mm -hmm. settle near the house. So how do you address that? Yeah, I don't build against the house. Yeah. And and uh, reality is nobody hangs out there anyway. Imagine somebody with a plate of food, right? A fork in one hand leaning up against your foundation wall and eating. I mean, they're just, they're not standing there anyway. So why are we building there? So if you build outside of that zone of over excavation, it's going to settle. I mean, it's eight or 10 feet deep, right? You have yeah. a five foot frost line. You know, most builders will backfill with, or whoever's there, you know, maybe it's not the builder specifically, but whoever's charged with or subcontracted to backfill around that foundation wall, they're going to push kind of whatever's around into that void yeah, there's some clean stone. Yes, there's a drain tile and all that kind of stuff. But mostly it's just leftover building material, really horrible clay and clumps. And, you know, that eight or 10 foot column of soil can take, you know, 20 years, 30 years to get back to an in situ or a virgin state. So build outside of that range. Stay away from it. So design wise, just design a little bit differently. Just don't build up against the house, basically. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a man door coming out, sliding glass, you know, porch doors, whatever you have coming out there. Okay, let's let's pour a little concrete pad there, maybe, you know, six by six or eight by eight, something that can bridge, you know, that differential settlement around that foundation wall. Let's build a little landing. Let's set a couple of wing walls. At Teco, we have, uh, you know, I don't know what an exact number, but let's say 13 double-sided structural walls. Right. I mean, let's take advantage of that you know, the ester structural, but they're also double-sided and, and they're, you know, and they have pillar combinations with them. Let's put a couple wing walls, couple pillars, couple nice lights, you know, some beautiful pavement down there, you know, and, and then transition out into the yard that hasn't been disturbed when that, when that home got built. And then I can use open graded stuff. I'm not worried about that potential reservoir of water under a pavement because I'm not against the foundation wall.
geotextile, there's a lot of guys that have question marks in regards to that. Do you recommend using some kind of fabric or textile under every patio or in between like your, your clean stone and your sand yeah. so that it doesn't join? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's never clean stone and then sand because it, it will migrate. It will. Yeah. So okay. we would, if we were using a clean stone base, let's say a, a number 57 stone, three quarter inch clean stone. Yep. Three quarter and half. Number 57 is a mix of number fives and number seven. So it's half inch, three quarter inch clean stone, less than 5% passing to 200 sieve, 90% fractured face, and hardness tested with the LA abrasion test. So that's exactly what it is. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> what, we, that's what we want. So if we're using that as a base, we would use a number eight stone, which again, shape, hardness, and gradation, same qualifications, but it's a quarter inch stone. So you don't, you're not really worried about the migration of those eights into those 57s because they almost don't fit, right? I mean, just barely do. The only time I would use an intermittent layer of fabric to segregate those two layers would be vehicular traffic. So even, even a residential driveway, there's enough, you know, a little Hyundai or a little, you know, car or whatever, just kind of bouncing along has uh, kinetic energy, the energy of motion, and can cause some of that migration. So I'd want to segregate them. Now let's be- get back to your question. <laughs> now that i've corrected you yeah yeah, yeah. exactly that's why you're here why, and that's why you're why here. he asked this because we do get guys that maybe to your concrete or to your contractor day and now they want to do like an open open base system yeah yeah so without knowing anything they're putting washstone in the bottom and they're like well if i screed concrete stand it's just going to kind of go into that's right. Yeah, you're right. Well, maybe I'll just put a filter fabric, you know, yeah. screen yeah. over there's, a filter fabric. Yeah. There's guys doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And, well, and let's, let's, we'll correct the record. They're today. twisting okay. it. Yeah. Let's go back to the, the. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The question about geotextiles, though, the industry will say it's optional. And, and I disagree with that. I think a geotextile is cheap insurance against settlement and failure. And if, if you're using a, a non-woven, like a felt-type material, Something that water can flow through nicely. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But okay, so there's non-wovens. You know, that's a soil separator. That's all it does. It keeps the soil from mixing with the base. Okay, that's a pretty inexpensive option. And it's a good thing. Okay, good. Let's go up to the next level. We got woven fabrics. And the woven fabrics are soil separators, but also have bilateral tension ability. So tension by the weight of the stone on them in a couple of different directions bilaterally they can bridge minor differential settlement. So the subgrade could fail a little bit, you know, a little, you know, imperfection and the fabric will bridge it. So that imperfection won't be evident in the surface of the pavement. So 
wow, that saves us from a callback. That saves us from ponding and pooling water. And ponding and pooling water in upstate New York in the winter we call ice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, don't, oh. we don't want pavement and ice. Bad combination, right? So right, right. Even though you sell salt. <laughs> 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 and our pavers are salt resistant in writing. <laughs> um, we don't want that. So right. then you step up to the next level, which are woven geotextiles that have biaxial geogrid strength. So... You know, it's late in the season. I'm trying to get one more job done. I could put in a fabric that has biaxial geogrid strength, can stabilize soils and soil separate and have bilateral tension ability. And, you know, we're going anywhere from 10 cents a square foot up to a dollar a square foot to never have a callback. It's worth it. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Now, that's between the subgrade and the base. Now, when do I put it between the base and the and the uh, bedding layer? Um Rarely in an overlay, I use it over concrete because you know there's two types of ready mix concrete. Remember what they are cracked and cracked, gonna crack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't want my bedding layer to migrate into those, those cracks. Uh, but in, in a hybrid installation, I use it in vehicular traffic, permeable pavement, I use it in vehicular traffic. You know, that geotextile uh, between the base and the bedding layer in a traditional, uh, densely graded stone, sand set application. You know, traditional interlocking pavement, I don't use an intermittent layer of fabric. Now, let's get back to what we were doing on stage, which is that little box and, yes. you know, clean stone and then biaxial geogrid and clean stone and biaxial geogrid and clean stone. No compactive effort at all. I weigh about 185 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> A little more than that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All right. I'm on a strict chicken wing diet. Very strict. My you doctor, just tell me you don't eat pizza, so something. My doctor said you got your hunting weight on. <laughs> strict surf and turf diet. That's what he says. Stick with that, you'll be fine. Uh, so I stand on the box. They unhinge the box, and it holds my weight up. So what is that showing? That's showing the use of a biaxial geogrid retaining walls, uniaxial geogrid strength in one direction, perpendicular to the wall face. For pavement, we use biaxial geogrid, strength in both directions. And to put an intermittent layer of biaxial grid might save us the dig to China. Let's let's call it that. So, I'm, you know, I'm building a residential walkway, upstate New York. It has six to eight inches of base. Do I need biaxial grid? Well, maybe it's new construction. And I'm worried about some settlement, right, because I don't know what they did and how they compacted it, and I can't dig all the way down. Maybe I'll throw a layer of biaxial grid halfway between that layer of base material, whether it be hybrid, open graded stone, or densely graded stone. What's my cost? I don't know, 10 or 15 cents a square foot. For a sense of security. Oh, man, and the homeowners are happy, and they don't have callbacks, and all. it's just, okay, I'm doing a backyard patio. Again, new construction, really crappy clay soil, which is, you know, a lot of people are fooled by it because it has a high dry strength, but the minute it gets wet, it's a mess. It's a, you know, you can't traffic it, can't walk on it, your boots are sticking to it, it's just horrible. So, you know, it's late in the season. It's early in the season. I've got really crappy clay soil. House is only five or ten years old. Throw a layer of biaxial grid in your base. Why not? Halfway through three inches, layer of biaxial grid. A little different than fabrics. We don't overlap grids. Grids abut each other. They don't overlap like a geotextile would. Yep. Uh, why not? Right. It's a vehicular traffic. I'm doing a driveway. It's a couple thousand square feet. Maybe my base is eight or 10 inches thick. A lot of people will overbuild their bases and just dig, like I said, to China. Forget it. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. You know, just put four inches in, put a layer of oxygen grid, four inches in, put your fabric to separate. If you're doing a hybrid installation, your number eights from your 57s, or screed your sand on a densely graded application. It's 
and you're done. Yeah. You yeah. know, wh why not have that additional, you know, benefit of, you know, like we we're talking earlier about, you know, the Great Wall of China is a soil reinforced structure. It's, you know, blocks and columns of aggregate and tamarisk branches to stabilize that stone. Now, we don't use, you know, non-biodegradable branch matter. We, <laughs> <laughs> we use, we, we use petroleum-soaked uh, uh, polyester fabrics, uh, you know, geogrids. You yeah, know, that's yeah. what they are. Uh, polyester, you know, many ester fibers, petroleum-soaked, and that's how we stabilize that material. Why not do it? Yeah, and I think a lot of the contractors think, you know, maybe we're just trying to sell them extra product, you know, but the reality is, you know, especially on a wall, if you could grid every layer, why not? Every other layer, why not? Is there a is there an advantage or a disadvantage to using more grid than you should, or is it just a sense of security for these projects? Uh, yeah, you, he's. I really like to tell customers and contractors to over-engineer behind their walls. I mean, what do you have to lose for cheap insurance? We we get a lot of concerns yeah. that maybe we're just out to sell some product, and I think yeah, you know, how do we defeat that? I have been dealing with uh, Sensenings. My entire career, so you know, over twenty years, have have had some uh, interaction with you guys or at a one of the locations. And anybody that thinks that you're just trying to sell them something doesn't know you guys. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I would never do it, and I know you guys would never do it. Yeah. We're, we're giving people advice to help them be better, to help them build a better project, and there there has to be, you know, in my opinion, sales is the transfer of trust. And you guys have built trust in the community the way I feel that, you know, my name, Paver Pete, or Techo Block's name has built, you know, that trust in the community that if we're telling you something, it's it's in your best interest. And, you know, is there going to be a sale associated to it? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's just steering you from this stone to that stone, right, in this application or that application. So um, I, I think that those customers who feel that way ought to sit down with you for a few minutes and have a conversation because you would – I, I know the staff here, and they, yeah. would, they would never do that. We appreciate uh, that. Yeah, the answer to your question is you're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is educational for us. Okay. Uh, grid in a retaining wall, placement, depth, and type. Placement, depth, and type should never be guessed. There are grid placement charts in our Techo Spec Guide. For preliminary design, there's a free design service. They can fill in the checklist online or right there in the book. Send it to us. We'll do a preliminary design telling you grid placement, depth, and type. And follow that to the letter. If it requires engineering locally, get a local engineer. Take our drawings to them. Take all the math we gave you to them, which was free, and sit down with that engineer. Pay that local engineer who's familiar with the soils, familiar with the aggregates, familiar with the the loads, lateral loads, or the, the friction angle of the soil we call a fee angle. Uh, they're familiar with all that stuff. Pay them the, the 500, 1,000, or 2,000, whatever it is. Yeah. Get the soil analysis that you need and build that wall to that specification every time. Never guess at grid placement, depth, and type. Now, to go with a three-foot column of clean stone always makes sense. Right. Right, because you can't run heavy comp compaction equipment behind a retaining wall, okay? It will push the wall from vertical to a negative batter or from a five-degree batter to four or three or two or whatever. It will start the failure of the wall in the compaction of the, of the soils behind the wall. So if you go with a three-foot column of clean stone, you don't need any compactive effort. So you're not going to push your wall 
And then you can compact outside of that three foot range with any equipment you want, right? And the industry is fine with that. So you can bring in a you know real good sheep's foot, you know, articulating roller. You can bring in a jumping jack. You can bring in a vibratory, you know, compactor, vibratory uh, roller. You can bring in anything you want outside of that three foot range. Yeah. So going to three foot comma clean stone, great recommendation. It will save the, the consumer money. It'll save the contractor money in time. And it's a, it's good advice, but geo grid in a wall, let's stick with the engineering. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to drainage, a lot of times you're going to have to put some drainage underneath all this stone too, correct? To push away all this water. Are we talking about walls or pavers? Pavers and walls either okay. way. Okay. Uh, Let's go to walls first because that we were just talking about. Uh, industry always recommends uh, a pipe behind the wall, you know, four-inch minimum diameter, minimum four inches above subgrade, minimum uh, column, four inches of clean stone completely around that pipe, holes down. You want water to bypass the pipe. Water carries sediment with it. We want that sediment to settle out, water to come up, hydraulic pressure out to the environment, maximum run of 50 feet before it sees daylight or tied into a subterranean drainage structure, stormwater system, something like that. Okay, so now um, is that pipe? Is that a PVC pipe or a, a, a perforated? A, a perforated. Pipe? Perforated doesn't matter. It's schedule thirty-five, schedule okay. forty. Uh, you know, there's not much load that's going to be on that pipe, so I'm not really worried about that pipe. You can use the flexible. Yeah, absolutely. Perforated. Holes all the way around. Just you know, if it's if it's holes only on one side of the pipe, make sure they're down. Yeah. If there's yep. holes all the way around, I'm that's okay. Good to Water's going to bypass. Uh, I'm in good shape. So. Um, that pipe should never see water, okay? That would be the best case scenario because uh, at the toe of the wall, there's a positive pitch away from the wall. And at the top of the wall, there's a positive pitch away. So we're basically building something that should be dry all the time. Right. That's our best case scenario. It's there for insurance against any water that might be there that we didn't know was there in our initial investigations, our initial construction. So we have a pipe there, it's kind of a backup. So. That pipe coming through the face of the wall, hypothetically, or tied in, should never have water coming out of it, which would be awesome. Ideal. Right? Yeah, that's that's it. Um, now, in a permeable pavement application, uh, the pipe we're talking about is an exfiltration pipe. And I, I kind of separate infiltration from exfiltration. Those words, I don't use them interchangeably. Uh, infiltrate, to me, means water going in through the joints of the pavement. Uh water going into the soil is infiltration. Uh, exfiltration is easy to remember because exit, right? Exit, I'm yeah. exiting water. So I can exfiltrate water in a permeable pavement application by pitching the pavement. Now there's something called C-factor coefficient of runoff. Water on a, on a textured pavement like our Mista or, or our Blue, which can be installed in permeable applications, has a high C-factor like a vegetated slope. So water, goes down, but there's some water that's gonna pitch off the surface. So I can swale that pavement into a, an adjacent vegetated filter strip, a biogarden, a bioswale, a weir, or something, and catch that water that might run exit off the surface or exfiltrate off the surface. Uh, now, if I've got water entering the system that I can't because my soil's infiltration rate's very low, and I'm gonna have water sitting in there for a long period of time, because there's some omitted clays that you can literally build a pond out of. You don't even need a liner, just kind of pat it down yeah, and fill right. it with water and throw some fish in it. You know what I mean? Right. It's that bad. <laughs> um, then I need an exfiltration pipe. So that pipe and its elevation and where it's going to be, you know, that's something that, you know, we have to have a conversation about it. Like that pipe as high as possible in the horizon 
so that I can catch that excess water, let it infiltrate into the soil, even though it's slow, let it infiltrate. And then when it starts to back up, and that water is going to be sitting there longer than, you know, 48 hours or 72 hours, then, okay, then let's catch it in a pipe and let's run it off to a dry well or, or daylighted or whatever so we can get that water out of that system. So we, we just, water is the lubricant that causes failure. Now, uh, and we come to showcase this year, we're going to go through this, uh, but that column of clean stone is typically not affected by water. So whether- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's underwater or not, its bearing ability really hasn't changed. Long as it's encapsulated, wall on one side, soil on the other, or pavement on the top, soil on the bottom, even if it's full of water, still drive on it. Yeah. That exfiltration, I hope I said the word right, but... That's the only one that kind of scares me. With us being in upstate New York with the freeze thaw, we can have one day where it's 50 degrees. The next day it could be 15 degrees with a, 8 inches of snow. Freeze and thaw with that water possibly sitting in there. Can that cause issues down the road? Uh, no. Uh, no. And it's because of geothermal energy. So if you dig down deep enough, the earth temperature is about 58 degrees. And it's you know, it can vary a little bit how deep you are or whatever, but there's kind of a constant core temperature. So when you're using open graded stone in a pavement, like a hybrid installation or a permeable installation, you've opened up that system to geothermal heat. So none of the water in a permeable pavement that might be in the base and in the bedding layer, let's say it gets that high, will freeze because there's air circulating, there's heat circulating, and that water will still flow out even though the surface is frozen rock solid, and you're like, that water has got to be frozen down there. It's not. And we have the data that shows it from University of Guelph, University of New Hampshire, a bunch of studies that have been done. We've done some studies. We have one of the largest uh, permeable pavement applications in North America. It's at our plant in Montreal, Canada, very similar climate to yours, very similar soils to yours. And, and we have exfiltration pipes and observation wells and all that technical engineering stuff and you can literally see the water flowing even though it's so cold up top you're thinking what are we doing outside you know and you can still see the water flowing out of that exfiltration pipe so that's a benefit in a permeable pavement application and i know you guys sell rock salt so <laughs> but, uh, and, and our products are rock salt resistant and if you're gonna get snow or or ice or whatever you know just from the environment you know you can rock salt our permeable pavements or our interlocking pavements which is awesome but you would need less of it because a permeable pavement with a pronounced joint, open graded stone uh, as a bedding layer and a base is going to allow that geothermal energy to come up. When it does melt because of the sun or whatever, the water just runs down through the joints and dissipates. So there's 
a lot of advantages to a permeable pavement in winter climates. And you're starting to see it. That that marketplace is growing. Wow. Yeah. How does um like polymeric sand or, you know, an eighth inch chip or something, what are you what are you sweeping into those joints? And there's some new products out here that claim that they're a permeable joint compound. Mm-hmm. Which one is better to use? Your basic, maybe Alliance, um, Gator, Sand. G2. G2. Yeah, OSHA compliant. You yeah, know, they also carry rapid an eighth set, inch Rain safe in 15 minutes. It's, it's a big evolution. I remember uh, as a young man doing patios for people in the Maryland market, <laughs> and when the job was done, I'd leave him a bucket of concrete sand. Say, <laughs> when, when the sand migrates out of the joint, sweep some of it in. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a conscientious guy I was. What a nice guy. Yeah. Things have changed yeah. a lot. They have changed. Um, I, I think very similar to our discussion, how we started today, uh, looking at retaining walls and saying there's three different bases, uh, looking at uh, the interlocking industry, interlocking pavement industry and saying, you know, we can't have blinders on, right? You can use densely graded stone. You can use open graded stone. You can pour concrete and veneer it. We have some great veneer products, Blue 45, the new Pacific product, you know. So let's not, you know, put blinders on. Uh, I think when it comes to joint fill, we shouldn't have blinders on either. Uh, You mentioned Alliance is a great brand um, in the G2 product, great product. Uh, That's a polymer-based sand, sweep it, wet it, and it hardens. That's a great product, and there's applications where I use it and, and like it, and I'm very happy with it and recommend it to people. Uh, there are water-applied uh, joint compounds uh, where you're wetting and creating a vacuum that's kind of sucking it down into the joint. So there's no compactive effort. There's no vibrating effort on the top of the pavement to consolidate that joint fill. The water kind of creates, like I said, the vacuum that pulls it into the joint, and it once it's dry and it's completely off the surface, uh, it hardens and it you know has a very long life. There's applications where that makes sense to do. I, you know, I like that sometimes, right? And it takes a lot of water. And you just you think you're using enough water, double it, triple it, <laughs> <laughs> quadruple it. You it's know, not that, enough water. You yeah, can keep not, going. Yeah, keep going, keep going. So there's times when it when it's applicable, and there's times when just a traditional wash concrete sand, ASTM C33 uh, sand, which is you know less than one percent passing the 200 sieve coarse angular particled sand swept into the joints, right? Same material I'd use in a traditional interlocking pavement as a bedding layer, swept into the joints, you know, clean the surface off and then use a joint stabilizing sealer, uh, which is going to, you know, there's some great sealers on the market that uh, are, that will penetrate uh, the concrete, actually chemically bond to the concrete. Uh, they're water repellent, they're stain repellent, they're efflorescence repellent. Uh, they stabilize the material and they have, you know, some of them up to a 10 plus year life, depending on traffic load. So it's not a maintenance issue because that's always yeah. a concern. Yeah. And they're invisible. So in 10 years, you would reapply them or eight years or whatever the number is, 12 years, whatever. Uh, and you would have to remember to do it because you wouldn't see that it wore off. And there's film forming sealers that show traffic and wear patterns. So you can see that you've walked over that surface. So you need to re-emulsify them and, and put a new layer down. I'm, I'm not a big fan of those. They don't breathe. Uh, they do show wear patterns. Uh, you can get efflorescence or some minerals underneath of them and it gets like a bloom and then you're like, oh, I got to strip it off and I got to reapply it. <laughs> it's just a night, you know. 
I like invisible, you know, penetrating, water repellent, stain repellent, efflorescence, and mineral repellent. Protecting. Yes, and it stabilizes the joints at the same time. And there's products for permeable applications, so you can stabilize the joints of a number 8, number 89, or a number 9 stone, which is awesome. Protect the surface of the units and stabilize the joint material. And in a sand-filled application, again, there's, there's joint-stabilizing agents. So... You know, to go into every job and say, this is what we do. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's have that conversation. And again, that's the, the consultative approach that Sensenings has taken is let me show you the options. Yeah. Let's talk about your job. You know, it's proximity to the foundation wall. How much traffic is it going to see? And, you know, are you plowing it? Are you snow blowing? You know, what, are, what, give me some details and then let's make a good decision for that consumer. It's a, uh, you know, it's a driveway. They, they drive a sports car, a sports cars, have soft rubber compound on their tires. Let's use the joint stabilizing sealer. Use traditional wash concrete sand in the joints because it's going to resist those oil stains that might be dripping if you have old cars like I do. <laughs> <laughs> and trucks and motorcycles. All the Jeeps. Yeah, the Jeeps. Yeah, yeah got a bunch of Jeeps. He liked your Jeeps, huh? Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Is my wife going to hear this? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I've got a bunch of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, those kind of things, rubber compound drips and, well, you know what, let's just do the joint stabilizing sealer, traditional wash concrete sand. It drains better. One of the reasons we use that, uh, aggregate in the joints and in the bedding layer, run, water runs through water's lubricant that causes failure. So we want the water to get through and run out in a traditional application. So let's not have blinders on, right? Uh, polymeric sand sometimes awesome. Perfect. Uh, some, the water applied joint, uh, compounds, now, whether they claim permeability or not, I'm not ready to commit to any of that. I mean, that's their their business. I've got to do some more tests, and i got to read. I'm a reader, so I want to read all the lab tests and the university tests before I make a decision. Or and joint stabilizing sealer. And you guys, I saw them in your showroom. Maybe you have them. So l let's make the best decision for that consumer and, and, and go from there. When it comes to edging, so you got this permeable application. You can't use your standard edging with just spikes because those spikes will just go. You could probably punch those in with your hands, no problem. Push them right in. What do you recommend? Do you recommend doing a poured concrete edging? I know some guys are doing that. Do you recommend a longer spike? What What would you say is the best application for edging? In permeable um, applications and hybrid applications where you're using open-graded stone as a base and your edge strength's always mounted on the base, never on the bedding layers. And there's a couple of edges on the market, which are PVCs wrapped in geogrid, and they sit on top of the bedding layer and the pavers lay on top of them. I don't recommend those ever. Part of the reason for the edge restraint is, is to resist the creep of the pavement. It's a horizontal movement placed on pavement due to pedestrian or vehicular traffic, uh, but also to encapsulate the bedding layer. So the bedding layer doesn't squirt out from underneath. So we want to always mount our edge on the base. So if we're using an open graded stone, you're right can't use traditional PVC edge restraint with a uh, eight inch non-galvanized spike. Now, eventually that non-galvanized spike uh, will rust in there and, and kind of build a little beehive of stone and rust and, and stay, <laughs> stay in place, but it, it will fail before that time period. So um, in a dense graded stone application, perfect. Open graded stone, that's not gonna work. So a couple of options that are on the market. Uh, one is uh, hybrid edging. Uh, from a company called Pave Tool uh, Innovators with a wedged shaped spike. 
and it's again non-galvanized. It will rust into the earth. So the wedge is going to create greater surface area to resist creep, the horizontal movement placed on pavement. So I've done a couple of projects with that uh, material in densely graded stone using the stitching technology where the spikes go in on a, on a 45 degree angle. That's kind of cool. Uh, does it add a lot to the strength? I kind of think so. It makes sense, right? I haven't seen the lab data, but it makes sense, right? On the angle, right? Okay, can't get pushed up during freeze thaw. Okay, the wedge-shaped spike, yeah, absolutely. You have a greater surface area. So that would be one option. Again, uh, you have to buy the edge, you have to buy the spikes, and there's labor associated to driving them in, okay? The other option, uh, Techo Block has a number of precast curbs, Avignon, Tundra, uh, the raffinado curb available in three and a half and seven real modern clean look in a permeable pavement. I like those curbs. And the reason I like those curbs is because they're elevated and they're a part of the erosion and sediment control measures of a permeable pavement, meaning windblown debris and grass and mud and dirt has a less, uh, a clear shot to contaminating the joints of my permeable pavement with an elevated curb. Basically acting as a wall, That's not it. allowing debris to yeah. connect, collect on that patio. It's or an quick. edging and an edger all in one. So how do I do it? Let's take uh, something clean and modern. Let's take our Raffinato Edge uh, 7 inch, which is a real nice chamfer and comes in real modern colors, gray nickel and beige creams. Really cool. Uh, I take it and put it in a bucket of water, right? <laughs> put... I put a little uh, mud down, so a, a type S mortar mix down on top, just a, a skim coat, you know, a quarter of an inch on top of my 57 stone. And I take that raffinado curb out of a bucket of water and I set it on that uh, wet mortar bed. So I have mechanical adhesion between the base, the type S mortar mix, and my unit. And I'm not worried about my unit drying out the mortar because it's wet, right? I've, I've pre-wet it. Okay, so now I have some mechanical adhesion. I have that vertical column. Now I come behind that curb with some of that type S mortar mix, about three to four inches up, three to four inches out, and I'll put a steel reinforced trowed edge behind it. Then I'll backfill with my soil and seed and, seed and straw or, or sod or whatever it is. So I have mechanical uh, connection. I have the weight of the unit itself, and I have steel reinforced concrete behind it. That's an edge. You can drive over with your Jeep. Yeah, it's <laughs> or, not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's not freeze-thaw susceptible. So you're not worried about frost. And you have an aesthetic, you know, that vertical curb column. You can use cobblestone. So there's a nice option, too. That's a rock-salt-resistant product, natural cobbles. Uh, our products, our dry-cast uh, curbings are all rock-salt-resistant. So in a driveway, you're know. not worried about them. You know, they're impact-resistant, like our Tundra, which is on a 45. And it's got a stone face to it. Wet-set it. Backfill, steel reinforced concrete, open grade stone. Then you screed your bedding layer, layer units. You'll never be back to fix that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the type S mortar because we get a lot of questions here at the store about, you know, edging. Using just, just the type S mortar as an edging. Maybe putting fibers in it as you mix it. Mm -hmm. There's a product in the industry right now that is pretty much like, if I would have to say, it's kind of like a type S mortar, has fibers in it, and it's, they, well, they claim it's permeable. Yeah. So you're just doing your edging, no more plastic edging. You're troweling that edge. It's permeable. It has fibers in it. It's going to hold. It's going to flex. Mm -hmm. So we're getting a lot of questions on that with the edging. And I, I agree with you. I, I, I kind of like that, the new, the new way of doing things. Yeah. yeah. I, there's some good PVC edges on the market. You know, PaveTech makes, you know, it was the first one. You know, there's Snap Edge and K2 
Skater Edge, and there's a lot of good PVC edges on the market. So I, I, I wouldn't count them out. We um, sell a lot of Snap Edge here. Oh, yeah. We sell a lot of Snap <laughs> there's Edge. There's only a slim pickings of guys that are actually doing the concrete edging. I would yeah. say 90, 95 to 98% is all Snap Edge out of here. Okay. They're mounting it, mounting it on the base. On the base, yeah. Uh, Eight-inch non-galvanized spike every eight inches, you know, spike down properly. Yeah. and with a well-compacted base. Yes. Should, should last for a long time. Uh, and I wouldn't count them out, even though I think the product you're mentioning is Perma Edge or yes, something like yes. that. And, and 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 what I mentioned was using Type S behind precast units. Um, but the concern I have with those, the way I re- recommended that elevated curb and that product that you mentioned, is the OSHA compliance. Because anytime you're mixing up dry material, um, even though you're going to wet it, I mean, you, when you dump it out of that bag, it's dry or out of that bucket it's dry it's dry you have airborne respiratory silicates right and those silicates have what's called an aerodynamic diameter so they're buoyant in the air and you inhale them and you're only allowed you know 80 micrograms in an eight hour time weighted at 50 micrograms in an eight hour time weighted average of respiratory silicates and you can get that dumping one bag or one bucket of dry material out without an n95 mask on so wow. you, you know can, the last the last demonstration we had, he didn't have a mask on. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, well, I am an OSHA certified competent person. Yeah. I teach the OSHA uh, certification class uh, for the MPCA, the uh, Mason Contractor Association. Um, and I should be invited to speak and do it here and give people their certified, uh, or we can bring in an instructor, somebody like who's that, for sure. better at speaking than I am. Um, but uh, we, we have to take it into account. One of the big problems in our industry is that young people see it as hard work and dirty, and I'm not going to get rich doing it. And all that is bull. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. I've become uh, a successful person, and I have a bunch of Jeeps, a couple of motorcycles, <laughs> a couple of cars, yeah. a couple of houses, <laughs> because I work my butt off, right. and I like it. And, yeah. and I uh, worked hard, but I worked smart, too. So if there's vacuum equipment to pick something up, I want it. If there's mechanical equipment to pick something up, I want it. And, and if there's a, a safety equipment out there that my team should have, like a hard hat with built-in attenuators and blowing clean air across your face, so you, you know, you're not getting, I mean, if, if that piece of respiratory equipment is $1,000, I want it. You know, because I want young people to get in there and grab that, you know, IQ saw, you guys we, carry yeah, IQ saws. We awesome. feel the same way. We sell them. Yeah. You know, we have to. Yeah. We have to. And Help we want people, to. Stop saying sell. Help people buy them. Right, right. right. Because <laughs> otherwise, they're, they're you know, we, I've got friends. I've been around, you know, this is like my second week in the industry. Uh, it's a long time. Uh, and there's, there's guys out there that get pneumonia and get bronchitis and get all these, these diseases regularly. Because their lungs are so full of that silicate, they can't fight it off. So they get sick more. And you can see it in their skin. Their skin isn't, you know, uh, red and rosy. It's kind of white. And that's because their body isn't absorbing oxygen at the same rate anymore. We have to change the contracting community. You guys having, you know, N95 masks on the counter, having safety glasses, having alcohol wipes, having great quality attenuators and hard hats. All that stuff needs to be front and center. And we got to encourage them, even at a, you know, a low margin. Like, listen, you just got to have them. 
Don't buy safety glasses, buy the pair, buy them by the gross, 144 pairs at a time. Buy the wipes that keep them from fogging up. Buy the IQ saws, right? Get used to using them. Otherwise, we're never gonna recruit the young people into our business, right? And, and everybody, not just young people, right? There's uh, uh, mi minorities that, that aren't as active in, in the hardscaping and landscaping industry that should be women aren't as active in our industry as they should be. And we want to get them, because it's fun, and we're outside. It is, <laughs> it's, it is. And it's great, and the camaraderie is great, but it, they don't want to do it if they're going to go home covered in silicates, breathing it the whole way home. you got to give them a uniform they can change out of. you got to give them the right safety equipment and, and, and bring someone in to train them on how to use them. And when you cut your hand, we have a safety kit, and we open it up, and we bandage you up. We, uh, rub some dirt in it. No, that's crap. No. I think Take the more uh, Teco does their showcases and provides, you know, you guys have a lot of tools at your showcases. Mm -hmm. And I think our tool, our tool department at both locations has, has grown over the last five years. And we, and we do, we provide tools for all our contractors and they call us, you know, if we don't carry it, we want to get it for them. Yeah. Some people would call that upselling or cross-selling. I, I call it loving your customer. And love is living our values every day. And our values is we care about you. We want you to succeed. We want you to be profitable, right? And the way to do that is with equipment, with tools, with techniques, systems, and processes that can make you better. So let's take a second. Yes, you're here to buy, you know, Villaggio walkway from Taco Block. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you're here, and that's great. But let me talk to you about this way of scribing in the edge. Let me show you this tool for mechanically laying, you know, this heavier, large Roca scale steps. Roca steps that might be at the end of that walkway. You know, we're gonna, oh, we're going to just tie a toe strap around it. No. Well, is it 1980? What are we, what? You're going to tie a toe? We could, buy two step clamps, what are 600 bucks a piece? And we sell a lot of step clamps. You know how heavy everything is now. Yeah, they work great. Yeah. It's amazing. Well worth yeah, it. Absolutely. And it's a marketing tool. Uh, it's a recruiting tool. You want to show your customers that this is an automated system, that it's going to get done, it's going to get done right, it's going to get done safely on your property. And then when we're recruiting, let's say you're at your local church or, and, and you, know, you, you have an opportunity to speak and say, I own a landscape company and I, I'm looking for good people to work, not young, necessarily young, not necessarily old, not necessarily male or female or whatever. I'm just looking for good people to work. Let me show you a little video of how we do things how our trailer is set up. Let me show you these clamps that we use. These things are 700 pounds. <laughs> We're not picking them up with a toe strap. This is how we do it. And everybody's like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. And we're outside and there's great camaraderie and we have a lot of fun. Well, let's take advantage of this, you know, opportunity to show off for our, our, our business. I had a, a project manager came in, bought a ton of tools. You could tell that he truly cared for his, his employees. Mm -hmm. I had one of the foremans from that company call me and thank me. He said, I look forward to going to work now. You know, my back was aching every, you know, now it's, it, it was a vacuum suck, just a paver lifter. They were doing a driveway. You know, he didn't have to be on his knees all day. And it was just nice to see that he actually called and thanked us for providing them with the, with the proper tools to, to get him through the day. They, oh. they make just amazing tools nowadays i mean i grew up doing this industry i i was doing pavers when i was 17 years old the stuff they have now makes your job way easier work smarter not harder you know i mean the tools you got this 
skid steers, minis, um, just the different paving tools through paved tool. Mm-hmm. Definitely check it out because there's a lot out there that can make your job a lot easier. Yeah, and pave tech and work hard and smart because what we do, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, there, concrete's heavy and, and stone is heavy and there's, there's work to be done. And I like that part of it. <laughs> you know, I like you know, the physical aspect of what we do. I don't, I don't get to build many jobs anymore, um, except when the cameras are running. And <laughs> <laughs> then I get to be the guy that gets all the credit, you know, on the videos and that kind of stuff on our YouTube channel. You can see me. We, we watch know. a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Just a question, though. How many takes does it take to do one of those? Um, one, do you do a lot? Or on do you, one take. Really? Um, get one, out of here. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It doesn't hurt that I write it. <laughs> and right, then I do right. it and, and rehearse it. It's what it's what I do. And, and uh, like you guys, you know, I have a lot of empathy for our community, not sympathy, empathy. I, I have been in your shoes. I have carried, you know, 110 pound retaining wall block in my hips, walking around like a penguin to get it to the wall face to set it up on that wall. And, and I realize that there's that's happening even today. And that's ridiculous that we need to automate. We need to be better. And when you have that kind of empathy, when the camera's on or not on, I'm, I'm on. I want, I want to help them win. Like you, I, I get those kind of calls and I get those kind of, you know, Facebook messages. You know, you changed our business or, you know, TechoBlock has, you know, by bringing this out and educating us this way has done this for us. You know, that, that keeps us going. I love your videos because we see the retail end of it here. All they care is about the finished product. I mean, to be honest with you, they're paying a big chunk of change to, to look beautiful. They could care less about what goes into it. And you guys provide us with those videos of what it takes and what and how to do it right. So I want to thank you for putting out those videos. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's really helped us. The family at TechoBlock investing, you know, over the last 15 years in, in creating the, the videos and, and they're expensive. There's no, there's no way around it. The value is awesome, but they're expensive and, and consistently and persistently saying we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. And. You know, over the years, my wife has said, this showcase thing going to continue? I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty expensive. <laughs> and uh, then, I, then I look at the family at TechoBlock and they go, yep, this is what we're doing this year. Let's, let's, you know, let's have all these ideas, throw them on the table. And, you know, how can we help people uh, be more effective and build better jobs and make more money and, and, and the consumers be that much happier? You know, and uh, it, it really is. Uh, driving, I think, the industry. I, I think you've seen uh, other manufacturers uh, try to follow suit, which is awesome, you know, because, uh, you know, competition's good for business. Uh, and they're doing more to educate the contracting community and, and bring new products to light. And, and I think that's awesome. You know, I, I like to be pushed. Uh, I, I like to say, Paver well, Pete did a good job. We're going to do it better. Good, <laughs> man. Let's, let's have at it. You know, let's, let's keep making it better. And I think the, the, the family of TechoBlock has really driven that in North America. And I think, you know, I, I travel to Europe once in a while. I'm Greek, so I, I get an opportunity to travel over there. And, and, and I hear uh, people in this industry say the name TechoBlock makes, makes me smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeps you on your toes, too. You know, we have the same thing here. We have a lot of competition in the distribution side of things. So we're doing these podcasts. We're marketing a lot. You know, and to be honest with you, I think we took a lot from Techo Block or, you know, some of the manufacturers, but I think you guys being the industry leaders and how we can market as a distributor and almost look like a manufacturer. You know what I mean? So we took that idea and said, hey, 
we're going to be the first distributor to really start marketing. And there's a cost to it, but we need all this footage. And not just for the retail end, but we need it for the contractor. You know, and they can sit here and listen to this and listen to the podcast and watch all, vi- all our videos and we can educate them. And, you know, and that's, that's what we bring to the table as a distributor. Definitely. We, uh, I definitely appreciate you stopping in today. You gave us uh, a lot of insight. Um, we obviously had a lot of questions in regards to this. So definitely we appreciate you coming and sitting down with us, making the drive through the winter storm. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it, Pete. Thank Thank you. you. We'll see you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.